Hey there, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Be A Warrior Podcast. I am your host and an above-me amputee, Angie. It's that time once again to unleash the warrior within you. Are you ready? Then let's get started. Hey everyone, happy holidays, and I cannot believe we're only a couple weeks away from the end of 2023. What a year it's been, and I hope it has been a great year for you, filled with more ups than downs, but we know the truth. The truth is, is there are so many downs that happen in a year that it is hard to keep track. (laughs) Um, I thought today, after all the travels I've been through, Um, I thought today I would talk to you a little bit about what winter means to us as amputees. It's just a bit different and I'm almost five years. I'm actually just a week shy of being five years since my elected amputation. You can see if you're watching me on YouTube, you can see my socket that I'm in right now. And um, I just can't believe it's been five years. I mean, it has gone in a blink of the eye. You know, it was one thing to sit there and watch my children grow up and every year it seemed to get faster and faster, but now that they're in college, my new gauge on time is since my amputation. And I can't believe that my kids were in high school when it happened, that it, it it's, it's been five years. It's just crazy. And the, the things I've done, the experiences I've had, the people I've met, the people who've impacted me, and I'm really hoping the people that I've impacted is a good measure of me wanting to give back to the world in a positive way. And I wanted to talk to you today, like I said, about winter because, you know, I am fortunate enough to live in Arizona. I can't begin to imagine day-to-day living as an amputee, especially a new one, in a place where Um, you're experiencing ice storms and snow and the cold weather. But uh, that being said, I am not a recluse. I do get out and I do love the snow. Um, Born and raised in Illinois, so I understand winters. Wasn't raised skiing, but my husband, when we were 17, taught me how to ski and said if I was going to make it in this family, I had to learn to ski. Luckily, I'm highly competitive and that was not a problem. What it did become a problem is when I chose to amputate my leg after five years of surgeries and nothing helping my arthrofibrosis, which is basically what I have going into um, all these knee surgeries that I didn't know about. Basically, that's hyperscarring. We all get scarring. My scarring, the bigger the surgery, the longer, more intensive the surgery, the more uh, scarring would happen and the quicker it would happen. So it used to take a few weeks and it would start to scar up and we'd have to try to break through scarring. And if you've ever had a surgery and had to break through scarring, you know how painful that is. Now imagine about 10 surgeries and never stopping PT in five years. Every other day was uh, breaking down scar tissue. Oof. I do not miss those days at all, but I do relish the friendships that I made uh, with other patients and also the PTs I've had. That being said, 
Being able to learn how to walk in a prosthetic is a hard process. One that most people think once you have your amputation, you just get a prosthetic and you go. That is not the case at all. Um, you go through lots of trial and errors with fit, how it feels with your leg, where your nerves are, how your surgeon cut you. It depends on how active you were before, how non-active you were before, the kind of tissue that's surrounding the end of your new residual limb, um, and, and ironically, weather. Just like when you hear people say, oh, it must be, it must be going to rain because my arthritis is acting up. Um, there are many amputees that claim that when the weather changes and the barometric pressure drops, that phantom pains become ramped up, which kind of sucks. Um, luckily, we live in a dry enough place that I don't really feel that. Um, but what I did realize this trip to Park City, which we just got back from two days ago, was how much joy I find in getting out to ski. Now, I told you that my husband taught me how to ski when I was 17, and we always dreamed that someday we'd get married, have a family, and that one day when he retired, that we would become avid skiers and ski and, during retirement. When this accident happened, and then I spent five years of not being able to get on the slopes with my family, I thought that dream was completely dead. And um, that was probably the, the main times that I shed tears through my whole process was watching that dream die. And so I get dreams dying or you feel like they're dying, but I, I'm here to tell you that they don't have to be. And I told myself that with my December of 18 surgery and my husband already having booked a hotel or um, a timeshare in, I think it was Breckenridge for that March, I said, I'm going to ski in March, no matter what. And he said, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I think he knows that I'm pigheaded enough and strong-willed enough that that would probably be the case. But I'm sure he was like, let's just see how you're feeling. And sure enough, I did get myself out on the ski slopes that March of 2019, just three months after my surgery, and I had just gotten my leg the week before. So that was exciting, um, but I have to say it was nerve-wracking because I was, for the first time, walking around with crutches on black ice, slush, sleet, snow, going up and down stairs, um, you know, just praying to God that I had figured out balance because it had only been three months. So I was kind of hoping that I was going to be able to do it, um, what I needed to do not to kill myself out on the slopes before even getting on the slopes. And so, you know, I thought, I bet most people don't realize what goes into it because if I'm still baffled by the fact of what I have to do to get to skiing, then i I think that's worth sharing because I know there are several of you out there that listen that maybe your dream is to get back to that again. You skied once before, and if you've never skied, it's not too late to try. Um, I learned how to surf after my amputation, and I had never been on a surfboard. And the best thing about that was I had no preconceived notions nor other habits that would dictate how hard that was for me. I only knew ski uh, surfing with a prosthetic. So if you dream of getting out on the slopes, 
maybe that dream is a reality for you soon. What I want to tell you is the two places that I learned my first two times on skis post-amputation were in Breckenridge and at Park City. And those two adaptive facilities are amazing. Now, I know there are others, but those are our two home bases for skiing. They feel like home. We've been there a million times skiing pre-surgeries, and that's where we've chosen to go back to post-surgeries. Now, I don't take any lessons. I just wanted to get out there twice to really get a grip and not have to worry about my husband or my kids having to pick me up out of the snow if I fell. Um, get trained professionals to help you with that. Plus, they are guiding you and teaching you what to be working on and what they see you doing wrong and what you're struggling with. And that is really, really helpful. Even for someone who's been skiing most of my life, you, <laughs> you don't know skiing until you lose a leg and you're out there with one ski and outriggers that you've never used before. So it's like learning all over again. Now, Just so you know, with the price of these really nice prosthetic legs and fighting insurance, this is the one thing in my life I will fight tooth and nail for, and I will not put it in a place where I could jeopardize losing it, someone stealing it, because this is valuable property, such valuable property to me, not because of the money aspect of it, but because life-giving aspect of it but for others, for the money aspect of it. So this leg gets kept in my room when I go skiing. I do not take it down. I don't trust a ski locker, nowhere. It is up to me to safeguard it. So first off, I get dressed and I get ready to go without my leg on. So that's first and foremost. Now you have to know, if you've listened to any of my podcasts, when I wake up in the morning, my leg goes on first. And then I get on with my day. Well, it's really weird not to put my leg on and then have to get breakfast and and do things to get ready. But that's how I started out. Then next comes the, the crutches. And I've gone through this two different ways. This last time, just because creature of habit, we took my crutches down. Um, we took them downstairs. We took them outside. I crutched over slush, wet pavement icy pavement because it was like 29 degrees the first day we went out and then I went up if you've ever been on a ski slope the first few steps because you're in ski boots or or uh, snowboard boots the first steps up to snow are usually graded steps like metal grates and so (laughs) you you always think that your crutch is going to slip right through them it won't it's not wide enough gaps but it's so close that it's nerve-wracking and then that last step up, you are jumping up into snow, which is normally at a nice hilly angle. And so my husband usually stands behind me, but I haven't struggled yet, but I'm also very strong on my crutches. I do use underarm crutches. I've tried all the other kinds. I have every pair you can imagine. And for some reason, even though everybody disses those, those are my favorite because I feel completely in control, completely. So it's what you know, and I've always told you on this, if someone tells you there's only one way to do something or one type of of medical device you must use, you must have, then you might want to push away from that person because it isn't for everybody. So I know I love the underarm crutches, but for some people, I know the forearm crutches are better. Whatever it is that you love and you know, that's what you use because you're comfortable. So then once I get up on the snow, then I'm 
in a snow boot, like my ski boot, which is heavy and stiff. I'm on crutches. And then I get over to like the ski caddies where everybody puts their skis up when they go in for a break or the bathroom, whatever. That's when things get tough <laughs> because then I switch from my ski, my um, crutches to my outriggers. What outriggers are, are basically, they're kind of like forearm crutches and kind of like ski poles with skis. So at the base, there are these little tiny skis that are, I don't know, like seven, six, seven inches long and only a couple inches wide. And on the bottom of them are jagged metal edges. And otherwise it looks like a little mini ski. And there are lines that when you, when you pop them, the ski poles, or they come up towards the ski poles, leaving the bottom part, a jagged edge. So you can push with them like your cross country skiing. But when you push them down, they become real slippery, just like your ski, and you're using them to ski and keep your center of gravity and your balance. So I try to get those on, which is through gloves and a big coat. I'm trying to shove my arm through the, the um, round part to grab a hold of the handle. Once I get those in, then the trick happens. This last trip, the snow had gotten kind of wet even though it was 29 to 35 degrees, um, it was just the right amount of moisture in it that it stuck to the bottom of my snow boot. And I have to balance on these ski poles and jump up and put my boot into the binding. There is no other way. I mean, yes, I probably could go find some place to sit, but when you think about where you're at, there's not a places to sit except the ground and you really can't put your foot down inside a ski when you're sitting on the ground. So unless you're down at the ability like training center where they have benches and stuff to make things easier, this is just me being stubborn and me wanting to do it my way. So I learned to balance and I learned to kick my foot in there. The problem this time was that my husband had to get down there and try to use his glove to get rid of all the packed snow because my ski wouldn't snap into place. When I finally get it into place, then the real fun starts because now the first time on them in months trying to get my groove on and get down to the very first ski lift which then brings its own set of nerves and anxiety because you don't know about the lines you don't know how it's going to look getting in there and you're maneuvering around a lot of people and most people care but there's a lot of people that just like well she's a skier and they don't think that zooming right past you might catch off balance so there's a lot of little things that actually make me have a lot of butterflies just to begin with. Even though I know how to ski, every time I go out there the first day, there's a lot of butterflies, especially when it's been, you know, all summer. I, I think the last time we skied was last March. So, you know, you're talking like six, seven, eight months that you haven't touched skis or ski pole. So here we are and we head on down and just like a bike, if you don't have enough speed, keeping your balance is really hard, but you also don't want to push too hard with the brakes on because then you have to get them pushed down to become slippery so you can actually ski without stopping your momentum. So there's a fine line to dance there. Now, you probably have guessed it. There are other ways to ski. You can get on the slopes in so many other ways. I'm just not knowledgeable enough to talk about them, but you can do a mono ski, which is when you sit down 
and your legs are locked in in front of you and you're kind of in a, a chair, like a bucket, and you have little outriggers as well so that you have the one ski below your seat and the two on the outside to keep you from tipping. And then there's also a, a newer thing that's been happening in the last couple of years, which are called ski bikes, which I'd love to try one of these days. I'm just trying to decide if I do it with my leg on or off, probably on just to keep um, equal balance on each side. But anyway, there are things for you to do. And I would truly and highly suggest that if you've ever been out in the snow and like the snow, don't eliminate that from your curriculum because you've become an amputee. Yeah, it's so fun, it's so freeing, and there's just such a deep love and reward for saying that I, I've done it. You know, get out there and try new things, get back to old things, whatever it is for you, but don't be afraid to do it. Just be cautious, because that snow and ice is not an amputee's friend. Now I say these things because I do know people that are recent amputees that live in the Northwest, Midwest, and Canada, and snow is going to become a daily event for them. And big respect to those people because I can go out and do this for a week and then come home and I get to be home where it's no rain and dry ground and I know what I'm getting into. But when you become an amputee, you know, it's already hard enough to walk and keep your balance and learn to maneuver your leg. But when you're brand new at at it, it hasn't been a year, and now you're hitting the snow and ice season, the cold weather, there's a lot more that goes into trust. And building up that trust, and you can build it quick, but you can lose it even faster. And all it takes is one time where you slip. For me, if I ever trip or slip on anything, I usually slip with my good foot because that's the one I put all my weight into as I'm walking. It's the one I trust the most. But when it does slip, you are left without a foot to land on because you tend to pick up your prosthetic leg. So I tend to do a jump with my good leg and keep my my prosthetic totally off the ground and out of the way because I just don't trust that it's not going to hit the ground and slide as well. So there is a lot that goes into it. And I just, um, you know, I just thought it was worth talking about because I know for those of you that are listening, if you're in the, the Midwest, Northwest, Canada, you're in a place where snow is abundant and ice is prevalent during this time of year, don't lose hope. Find something you can do and know that snow can be your friend. Um, you just you just have to know how to maneuver it. You need to take your time and really kind of learn what it feels like to walk with your prosthetic through it. Now, the other thing that I did, and I'm actually looking forward to trying something a little bit new. Um, I don't picture it being a problem, but then I also worry that maybe it'll be more of a problem than I, I realize because I haven't tried it yet. And that is... Um, we went, we decided to take one day because it was, there wasn't a lot of ski slopes open or um, slopes or lifts open. And so we ended up deciding not to ski that other day because we were going to sit around and just be freezing cold and really get no skiing. And because there was too many people 
And my husband gets very nervous about me skiing down really heavily crowded slopes where people are dying to get down to the line again so they can get back up. Sometimes they are a little careless and then that's when accidents happen. And I have, I've had someone completely come up behind me and take me out. And it is not only surprising, it's frightening and it's painful because without having a socket on, when I fall, I put my leg out just out of habit and I end up hitting my residual limb right on the snowbank. So um, it's it's painful. Um, my leg was all swollen and everything, so that wasn't um, easy to put the socket on later that night. But what we did do is we went out and we found a hiking path that was completely snow covered. I mean, deep. And there were small tracks, which we found out later. At first, I thought it was like the size of a sled, like a child's sled. But I think it was cross-country tree, uh, <laughs> cross-country ski tracks that had been matted down flat for, you know, I don't know, the width of a body. So there wasn't a lot of wiggle room, which was really good because it helped me keep my leg under me and work on hip strength. But my poles, my, my hiking poles, which I keep with me everywhere I go, threw on the little ski pole endings that had the disc and went out there. But my poles were going half down into the snow. So my upper body was working extra hard just to get them in and out of snow banks. But number one, the scenery was spectacular. High cliff mountains and everything in Provo. Utah was gorgeous. Um, We were up near Sundance and we were hiking back in that area, if you know the area. Also, it was pristinely white and quiet. It's amazing what snow does to the, the quietness of the world. And, you know, just every once in a while, my husband and I would just stop and there was nobody else out there. And it was so peaceful and so quiet and right there that right is just healing it just the the happiness and the joy that overcame me in that moment was there isn't anything out in the world any better than this moment right here and so i would highly suggest learning how to really walk and i had the worst boots on i had boots on but didn't realize the track sucked like when i got back my husband was like those are the that's what you had for traction there was no traction like everything i did to keep me going up the mountain was using upper body strength so my feet wouldn't slide but i did it and that that right there was so powerful and rewarding worked hard, was sweaty, even though it was like, I think when we got done, it was like 31 degrees. Couldn't feel the cold at all. Like if it gets 60 here, I'm freezing here in Arizona. But 31 degrees in Utah while you're working and hiking outside was perfect. It was like summer weather. But getting out there, so my goal is to buy snowshoes and try that with snowshoes. I'm not sure how my foot will take a big, long thing and trying to pick it up. It's one thing to ski with my real leg and have the normal boot and ski on that I'm used to, but you don't pick up a ski. But to have these longer, bigger things on your feet, I'm wondering how that'll work. So I can't talk from experience on that, but that is my next goal is to get ski sho- snowshoes and get out and do snowshoeing and seeing how that feels. Because I would rather be outside and enjoying the beautiful white snow Um, when we go up to Northern Arizona or if we go to Park City or Colorado, 
I would love to be out doing that. And it doesn't have to every day be skiing. Cause I'm going to tell you something that skiing is exhausting. Like there's a reason why there's an adaptive pass that's cheaper for ski lift tickets. And that's something you have to know if you want to ski. Yes, you can get a deal. I think every big ski resort, um, anybody that has the Epic pass, they have an adaptive ski, um, pricing. So remember that because they know as an adaptive skier, I'm not skiing from like eight to four. It's just not happening. I'd be happy if I get from like 10 to two and then I'm wiped for the rest of the day. So, you know, you have to know your boundaries and know what, what it's worth, but it's definitely better to go the adaptive ski route and, and instead of spending big bucks for a full day pass when you won't probably use a full day. So skiing, snowshoeing, hiking. Um, some people I've seen ice skating. I've never really loved ice skating, but you can do it. You just need to be really careful, especially if you're an above knee, because losing two joints makes that that much harder to control the ski or the skate. Um, but there are so many things to do and get out in this world and do that can make you feel alive again. So if you are struggling, especially I know some of you are struggling this time of year. This this time of year brings great joy and also on the other spectrum, great pain for some people. And you know what? There is no real solution to dealing with loss and pain like that, except getting out and just moving and being active and fresh air in your lungs. I know that sounds really cliche, but I would challenge you when the days kind of kind of suppress you and you find it hard to breathe because you're you've you're missing someone or something's wrong in your life at this time of year and it doesn't bring you joy I challenge you to get outside and do some movement walking or hiking biking skiing whatever it is you can do whatever your body allows you to do Get out and breathe that fresh air in your lungs. Get the cold air in your lungs and really feel alive. And um, I guarantee that that's going to make just a little bit of a difference, more so than sitting inside and just reliving bad memories or sad memories. You know, getting out and, and being active is amazing for the body and the heart and the soul. So, I'm going to end here. I hope you enjoyed my little take on skiing. I'm going to put some pictures up on my website, www.bawarrior360.com. That's where I usually post my podcast as well, but I also do a cute little write-up and I usually add some pictures. I'll throw some pictures on there so you can see me with my crutches, with me skiing and the things and, and the, um, the backwoods hiking. And so you can see that the things you can do, your mind is what limits you. And I say that even to my kids, you know, what we tell ourselves in the, the, the verbal food that we feed our brain is exactly what we get out. So what we put in and we get out, you hear about what, what we eat is what we become. You know, we eat junk food, we gain weight, we feel like crap, we get sick. We start eating better for us food, fresh food, homemade food. We get active. We start to feel better. Input equals output. Same thing. If you, um, if you decide that you want to do something, then set your mind to it by telling your mind you're going to do it 
And you might not be able to do something yet, but don't ever tell yourself you can't do it. Okay. You can't do it yet and, and work towards it. You know what? That's what goals are for. If you can do something right away, then it's really not a strong goal. It's something you've been able to do, but trying something. And sometimes it's not about the actual act of doing it. I, I know I can ski. I'm not worried about that. But what I have to work on is my anxiety that I get, I build up in my head about falling and not being able to get up or having someone run me over and being hurt. Those things kind of pull me back. And I have to break through that bit of fear every time I want to go out skiing because I don't do it every day, all day long, month after month. I don't live in a ski area. So I have to tell myself, you've got this, you know how to do this. And I have to tell you, this trip was a thousand times better than last March when I was really anxious. So each time I get out there, it gets better. And I'm telling you, a lot of it is my mindset and what I tell myself after every session and before every session and what I visualize, I visualize myself succeeding. I, I literally visualize myself getting my boot on and getting off and pushing off and, and swishing, swishing down the mountain and feeling the breeze and smiling. I visualize all the positivity. And that's what you need to do with anything in life. Anything you want to do, you can accomplish. Speak positivity to yourself and visualize positivity and you will be set. So get out there, get active. I'm still doing my Fierce and on Fire Challenge, which is 100 miles before the end of this month. So are you with me? I have a medal coming. I'm I'm working my way towards 200 miles because I started this like a month ago when I first brought it up. So I want to know if you're on with me. Get on my Be A Warrior 360 Instagram. I have a fierce and on fire, um, what do they call those now? It's like like these chats or something on Instagram where it's like their own little groups. Oh, channels. That's what it is. I have a channel that you can join if you want some positive uh, motivation and where you can um, banter back and forth with me. And I hope that you are feeling fabulous. And if you're not, Please know my prayers and my heart are with you. I know that this is a hard time of year for some people. And um, I consider myself blessed that I can try to bring positivity into your life. And I just pray and hope that you have a wonderful rest of 2023 and that 2024 brings nothing but joy, happiness, and good health. And as always, be healthy, be happy, be you.